Hello and welcome to the Go Sell Something podcast. I'm Rob Murphy, and here at Affinity, we multiply your profits by helping you build and optimize your workforce. We have recruiting specialists in several areas, including salespeople, one of the hardest groups to find the right fit. Today, we have with us Adam Wigger. Welcome, Adam. Hey, thanks, Rob. Glad to be here. Awesome. Yes, we are very glad you're here today. And Adam is currently a commercial real estate agent in North Alabama for Car Realty, which is the nation's largest healthcare-specific commercial real estate company. They have over 170 agents nationwide. Once upon a time, Adam was Rookie of the Year and the number three medical device guy in the country for Smith & Nephew, a huge firm, Fortune 500 company. After that, he spent six years in IT sales In four of those six years, he was the number one virtual CIO sales rep in the company. Very impressive. And Adam, looking forward to hearing all that you have to share with us today. And you've got an interesting background. You're pre-med in college, went into medical sales, into IT sales. Now you're doing the commercial real estate with a healthcare spin on it. What common threads have you experienced throughout your sales career? And, And then what's been different at each of those stops? Yeah, my background actually makes no sense at all if somebody looks at it on paper. But uh, honestly, uh, it's it's been pretty cool how working with clients in the healthcare industry now and each uh, industry that I worked in, how it actually, I believe, helps make me a better um, representative for them when it comes to doing these transactions. I, I feel like it's, it's enabled me to be able to relate better as far as what their needs are. And then also understand some of the processes that each one of these clients, whether they're buying or if they're looking at leasing a property, what what they might go through. Um, and I can actually talk educatedly about some of those aspects. No, that's, that's very cool, man. And, um, you know, so what, what kind of traits, would you say, and I know sometimes it's hard to talk about ourselves, but what, what would you say are some of the traits that you've had throughout each of these jobs that have helped you to be successful regardless of what you're selling? Sure, sure. I, I guess the biggest trait is I've always been a uh, hard worker, you know, and honestly sitting here and talking about myself is not normal for me. So <laughs> I hope everybody understands that I'm not, I'm, I'm really am a humble guy, but um, as, as far as, uh, yeah, day to day, I've always loved just to d- dive in, um, sometimes head first, a uh, folly of mine probably, but, uh, and just get after it and, and not be afraid to even work on things that didn't necessarily fall into the job description, but, but to just get after it and, and be an example, be a leader, even if you're not in a leadership position, but, but lead by example. That's awesome, man. Yeah, it's funny. I'm actually going to a YBL event today, and that's the title is Leadership Without a Title. That's the topic today. So that's awesome. And yeah, I think, you know, one of my biggest weaknesses in my sales career has been that I spend a little too much time thinking about what to do before I just do it. And I think that it's so valuable just to be doing something. And then if it fails, you can change it. Or if it's wrong, you can make the adjustment. But man, just like you said, just diving in every single day, good things are going to happen. So really fascinating group that you're with now, Car Realty. And it reminds me of one of my favorite business books, Blue Ocean Strategy. Red Ocean meaning bloody waters where the sharks are all fighting for territory. Blue Ocean being this beautiful, empty space with a valuable market, not much competition. The Blue Ocean Strategy is really what y'all have executed so beautifully at Car Realty. You've created a, a new Blue Ocean, a niche market where... When the company was started, there was essentially no direct competition. And still, y'all are definitely number one in the space in the country. There's 
lots of commercial real estate firms, but y'all were really the first to be the healthcare real estate firm. You find real estate for healthcare professionals. You negotiate awesome deals for them. They don't even pay you. The seller pays the commission. So it's an irresistible offer for your target market. Just such a great business model. Can you tell us a little bit more about how that idea came about, uh, how that all got started? Sure, sure. And so it's it's even further niche than just being uh, in healthcare real estate. Um, we only represent buyers and tenants. Um, there is a couple other firms across the country that do that, um, but we, we honestly have the, the market uh, play across the country. But um, being that we only represent buyers and tenants, just like you said, we never collect a penny from the clients that we represent. We always get paid, uh, just like in residential real real estate, we always get paid from the sellers themselves. Uh, and so it's a really cool concept just to go out there to talk to folks and say, Hey, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to guide you through this process of either buying or leasing real estate. I'm going to negotiate the best terms possible. I'm going to do all the market research, give you the top choices as far as what options are out there. Cause if you look even in our Huntsville market, there, there's a lot of options out there when it comes to leasing and or purchasing. I'm going to narrow that down according to the criteria that you give me and only present you with, say, the top eight or 10 properties. And then from there, finish out that transaction and get you the best deal possible. And at the end of the day, I'm not going to charge you a penny. And so I, this has been one of the best sales pitches I think I've ever had at my disposal because uh, I really I don't have anything to sell to my clients. I'm helping them. I'm consulting with them. I'm guiding them through and I'm, I'm protecting their interest. And a lot of times, honestly, our biggest competitor uh, is the clients themselves when they think that they can do it on their own and they don't realize what's at stake and the value of having somebody represent them in a transaction. And so going back and, and to answer your question, uh, our founder, Colin Carr, came up with this vision. Um, and it really was, it was a vision from the Lord for where he was at the point of his life and what he was seeing. He was a top producer for one of the nation's largest commercial real estate firms. And he had this vision that he wanted to set up a company that would focus on healthcare and that would only represent buyers and tenants. Nobody else was doing this right now. As a matter of fact, he, he got laughed at by his direct report that he turned in a business plan. The guy said, it'll never work. And so Colin stuck his neck out and he, even, he told the guy, he said, look, my numbers, if, if I don't at least do what I did last year, matter of fact, I'm going to grow it higher than I did, or my numbers larger than I did the year before. If I don't do that, you can fire me. And he did exactly what he said he was going to do. But even still with the growth he, he encountered, um, they decided that that was not the direction that that company wanted to go. And so he was faced with a decision and he took a step of faith and founded car, what we know as car in Denver, Colorado. That is an amazing story. I absolutely love that. Just the, the entrepreneurial angle, as well as just what's so difficult. I mean, you read blue ocean strategy and you think, okay, well that all sounds great, but how on earth am I going to come up with a market that nobody else is in? And that's just such a brilliant example of how to do that. One other thing I love that you said, you're talking about, you've got this offer for clients and the only real competition is the clients themselves thinking that they can or should do it on their own. And man, with no cost even involved, people are still thinking that way. It's interesting because, you know, a lot of business owners, uh, practice owners, that type of thing, there's just this mindset that I can do it all myself. It's like a virtue. Like I'll do it all myself, you know? And that's really one of the things that we run into. 
You know, yeah. we work with companies who are having a hard time hiring. And when the numbers aren't on paper for how much your time costs, that cost just gets swept under the rug. It's so easy not to see it. And I'm sure your clients, you know, we were talking this morning about one of your clients, just how swamped busy he is all the time. And so many people are like that, but they just don't think about what they could do with that time. If they just let somebody else who's a specialist in that area, do it for them. Yeah. And especially it's, it's even crazier with you because they're not even paying you. Right. Right. Yeah. And you got to think about being that I'm, I'm in healthcare. So we'll, we'll break that down into a smaller segment of people. I'm dealing with some of the smartest minds you know, around they've, they've made their way through many years, sometimes dozens of years of uh, med school to get where they are. And I mean, just brilliant people. But when it comes to the business side and commercial real estate, it's, it's not in their wheelhouse and their time is better spent. Like you said, in the medical practice, seeing patients, helping people. And so that's, that's pretty cool too, about what I do is I know that while I'm not directly working with patients and, and helping either treat a disease or, you know, just receive some comfort in their situation, I have an indirect impact because I'm helping uh, that practice either grow, helping make better financial decisions about their real estate, and hopefully, and most most often, saving them tens of thousands of dollars on their real estate that then gets reinvested back into the business for more business or for, for better uh, services. Sometimes it, it might even mean that say a dentist might be able to offer something like a same day crown solution that they weren't able to offer before, or there's just so many different technologies that are constantly coming out that these doctors are then afforded the ability to purchase because we've been able to save them so much money on their transaction. That's awesome. So Adam, you've survived and been very successful in sales for many years. And so I know that with that comes challenges, low points, frustrations, times when your back's against the wall. Tell us about a time in sales when your back was against the wall. Maybe you were on a cold streak or you had a difficult spot, whatever it may be. How'd you fight through it and get back out of the red when that happened? 2006, Smith and Nephew. Um, I had It was my rookie year. I was rookie of the year that year. I was uh, also number three in the country. I got married in 2006, uh, bought my wife a beautiful new car, you know, and just was living high on life, right? And unfortunately, uh, just due to politics and some situations around me, I ended up losing uh, my number one client in my territory. And honestly, it was a third of my overall income. And I was still honestly riding a high for that year and, you know, figured that we could probably recover and, and maybe even win that business back. But as the next year played on, it began to, the, the relationship began to sour more and it was over. So that two, 2007 wasn't, um, wasn't a good year, but it wasn't, I wasn't in a bad spot until towards the end. And right when we rolled over to 2008, my heart just wasn't in it, honestly. I mean, I was in the role that everybody wanted to be. I was making some ridiculous money at the age of 24. And then just to experience that type of blow. And it wasn't, it honestly wasn't anything that I did. Like nothing immoral, nothing uh, without going into particulars. I mean, even my, my regional manager at the time was like, Adam, you need to know that you didn't do anything wrong, but let's go win another one somewhere else. 
And I, I, I was struggling. I was really struggling. I got to a point where I was really in, in a state of depression looking back. Um, it was not where I wanted to be my first year marriage, you know, and it really got to a point where my wife, thankfully, she was brave enough to stand up to me and said, you're either going to have to do something or you're going to have to get out. Never really thought that I would find myself again in that position. I knew that I was not afraid to work hard, was not afraid to get my hands dirty. I just had run run into a buddy of mine who had started a plumbing company uh, in Birmingham and he needed help. And so honestly, my resume doesn't reflect it, but uh, for a few years there, I actually worked for him as an apprentice, uh, as a plumber. And so I was job site to job site, mainly residential, but spent some time doing commercial, turning a wrench. And it was really just to be able to make ends meet. Um, but man, it was so rewarding just to have a purpose to get up, go to work and, and then be rewarded in, in the form of a paycheck. Um, and so when I talk with people and, you know, I was embarrassed, honestly, that I had found myself as a plumber um, when I had been at such a high point in my life in medical sales, but there was nothing to be embarrassed about because I was still out there providing for my family and it's a great career and there's a lot of people that do really, really well for it. And, and that goes along with a lot of what people label as, as blue collar jobs. I, from that point, again, um, I started building out of that state of depression. And I, I do want to take a moment here, Rob, and, and just say that even in the last few weeks, um, some people that have are in my circles today, I unfortunately found out that uh, two of them had recently committed suicide due to depression. And that's just really hit me hard lately because depression is kind of a silent killer. And if you don't have somebody in your life that you are talking with about whatever's going on, um, then un unfortunately, uh, the enemy's out there to steal, kill and destroy. And, uh, so I just would encourage anybody that's going through that, no matter where you're at, that you just, just talk to somebody, tell them where you're at. Don't go through that by yourself. And, and again, thanks, thanks to my wife and her graciousness and her brave bravery to call me out. We begin to, to build out of that. And, and so through just networking and, um, just being involved in the community, I actually ran into, uh, a gentleman in Birmingham who owned an IT company. And just from that first interaction, he's like, Adam, I really want you to come on board with me. Um, and, and he knew a little bit about my, my background, a little bit about sales. Um, and I just, I wasn't sure I was ready to step back into anything like that yet. But uh, he was very persistent uh, over the next few months and persuasive. And so I went on board with him. And then um, within a year, he was uh, acquired by the larger group in Lexington, Kentucky. And then from there, uh, it was it was a it was an upward upward trend, uh, both in uh, income and success, and again sales accolades throughout the way. But then I was I was really excited because I was in a position with numerous businesses. I had about sixty, I think it was sixty two or sixty three different clients, mainly healthcare, some community banks, some manufacturing, some nonprofits, and so being in the role as a VCIO, I had the opportunity to sit at the, 
the business table with the discussions of all the C-level players of those entities. And they ranged in size from million, $2 million companies to $100 million companies. Um, and so I, I really got to learn a lot about different strategies in each industry. And then also had to have some really tough conversations about uh, finances and where each business was and how to leverage technology to grow their business and or to even protect their business. You'd be surprised, especially when you're dealing with banking, the amount of money that goes into security. Um, and it's it's not a necessarily a choice. <laughs> if you want to stay in business, it, in, in some ways, it's a, it's a must. And, and it really goes back to the your first question of, of traits. I was not prepared in any one of the roles that I've been in with, with the skills that I needed. But because I was willing to work hard, because I was not afraid to get my hands dirty, and because I spent the extra time to learn and hone in my craft, I really believe that that's what brought me to the top in, in every situation. Um, and then the other thing, I think Theodore Roosevelt actually said it, um, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so you always have to put other people first. And so I, I think uh, one of your first podcasts you did was with uh, Jamie from Boston Scientific. And uh, some of the comments he made really play along with that too, that even the receptionist or the nurse or whoever your call points are, don't don't just think that, oh, I've only got to get to that C-level or that decision maker because those other people in the organization, you'd be surprised at how many times that they might come behind you and say, hey, I really like that guy. He sounds like he knows what he's talking about and kind of affirm you as that trusted advisor in whatever capacity that you're trying to sell a product. Adam, you said so much there that I really want to touch on. First of all, talking about depression, sales is absolutely a career path that when it's not going well, it can lend itself to dealing with depression. I'll never forget my first sales job. There's a number of things that go hand in hand. First of all, 99% of salespeople I've ever talked to deal with a great amount of rejection, especially early on in a job. Now, once you're more established, you may have more referrals and things come a little bit more easily. But especially in the early days, there's so much grinding. There's so much hearing no. And then there are those questions that you always begin to ask yourself about providing for yourself, providing for your family. And I remember my first sales job, there were some dark days. And I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm newly married, similar to how you were. And I'm thinking, what if I just fail? What if I'm not able to bring home enough money? What are we going to do? And you combine that with the hearing no a decent amount. And then also the fact that if you want to make a sale, you have to generate this attitude, this air of positivity, and you have to go in with confidence. And when your confidence is shaken, it can be so damaging. But Absolutely love what you said about grinding it out, fighting through it. And I do think that it's extremely important for anybody that's listening. If you are dealing with any version of depression, even just the first steps of frustration, find somebody to talk to about it, you know, get with somebody who especially can relate, maybe has been in sales. I mean, heck, shoot me a message. I'd be more than happy to talk to you. I've been through all that and find that fellowship and camaraderie and encouragement that you need to, to keep it rolling. The other thing that you said that I want to briefly touch on is the medical sales world, which for so many people, and I talk to so many salespeople on a daily, weekly basis, who that's like the white whale. They want to get into medical sales. <laughs> Pie in the sky, right? Exactly. And 
there are some awesome medical sales jobs out there, but they are not all like that. And one really common thread is it is cutthroat, man. I mean, you can be absolutely killing it. And just like you said, something totally out of your control sweeps in and all of a sudden your 30% of your revenue is gone. And I've heard such similar things. I've heard, I've had friends who have been killing it in pharmaceuticals and all of a sudden the drug gets dropped. They don't have a job. They got nothing at all. And, and they get accustomed, especially just like you said, again, to living a certain lifestyle. And when you lose that job, it is so hard to find something else that supports that same lifestyle anytime soon, you know? And so just such great information for people to hear. That's really all we have time for. It's been such a great conversation, man. We're out of time. And I had one more question, but we'll go on and we'll go on and get it in real quick here just because I don't want to skip it. Let's say that you have an urgent need to hire another rep tomorrow. And based on what you've said so far, I suspect I might could guess what direction you'll go. But what are the non-negotiables when you're hiring a sales rep? Yeah, it's got to be somebody definitely is willing to work hard and, uh, and to go the extra mile. It's got to be somebody that's going to put others first and really show that care and compassion. Um, and if, if they've got those two things, we can teach them the, the ways of commercial real estate or whatever uh, vertical that they might be going into. But yeah, those would be the two key key areas for sure. Adam, thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks, Rob. I enjoyed it. It's been great. I have learned a lot today. I hope that you listeners have as well. Thank you listeners for spending your time with us and go sell something.